our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, the podcast where we love, live, and of course, we work with dogs. You guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate every single one of you listening, your eardrums right now. I really, really do. Uh, just the support and the community we've built. I can't, I'm going to say that every podcast, guys, so just get used to it. I just, I can't thank you guys enough for supporting me and what, what we're doing here. Anyway, today we're uh, talking with an online client working on uh, a bunch of different things, but really I just singled out some of the information that we did about how to, when actually to, to correct your dog. Should we correct your dog when they're fearful? Should we correct your dog when they're reacting? Uh, what's the proper time to correct and things like that? Because, you know, that's the thing about um, using corrections and punishment is, is, you know, and I'm doing the best I can to put out information and content out there and education for you guys to, to, to learn and do better with. Um, and just know how to do it properly because it's needed in your dog training uh, career and your dog training uh, life with your dog. So anyway, that's what this episode is about. I appreciate you guys listening. Let's go. You just have to make sure that you're being, um, I guess, mindful of your dog's understanding of what you're asking. The only time that I'll correct a dog when they don't understand what I'm asking necessarily is when it's a safety thing. So if a dog's trying to bite me or another person or go after another dog, I have absolutely no problem correcting them. Right. But Well, that kind of leads me to my next question. So yeah. like Penny has gotten a lot better because we've gotten better at being calm and collected on the street, but her escalation in reactivity is pretty intense. Like um, she's only recently started to get better with trucks, but like in Montreal, and it's super intense, like a snowplow will come by and it's genuinely like it's a pretty scary thing like a little kid would be probably scared um it makes a lot of noise and her freak out can be extreme and so I was wondering and that's her not having faith in us right like she doesn't mm -hmm. believe that we have control of the situation um what would your opinion be on correcting a dog in that situation and or like pre like currently we cannot pass someone on the street like we um go around people and she's gotten up to the point where like if if it's a wider street we can pass somebody but like on a sidewalk in montreal like you basically have a meter mm -hmm. we can't um cross someone because she'll sort of jump at them um and i yeah so i wondered what your thoughts were on prong corrections in those cases and yeah yeah. So again, it, it really just, it's a great question and it's, 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 it's a little difficult to answer because it's, there's a lot of variables that come into play and that's where you have to like really read the dog to see what's going on. So, um, just in general, uh, correcting a dog out of fear 
can definitely work with you 100%. I've done it hundreds of times. Dog owners have walked away from sessions just jaw on the floor like, wow, this is great. There's no questions asked. It's really great. But it, it could certainly also make things worse. And you just have to be, there's a fine line there that you have to just flirt with and really try to figure out what's going on in the dog's head. So if I get a dog, like for an example, I just did a, I did a session uh, with a lady from Boston. She came in with a dog and he was really reactive to people and other dogs and he's bitten a couple people. Uh, and that vi- we're actually, we filmed the video, it'll come out next week, but essentially uh, he was, he was defending his owners. He was like, nobody's in charge. I'm in charge. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. I don't have control. This is crazy. Like he was a dog with no leadership, no structure. He was resource guarding his owners. He was stressed all the time. He was anxious all the time because he did whatever he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're correcting a dog for, you know, Whenever you're correcting a dog for behavior, you have to be mindful from where it comes from. And for me, when I'm, and that's where experience comes in. If I'm looking at a dog like that and he comes in, he's like, you know, he's barking, he's, he's, his eyes are out of his head, he's nervous. You can tell like the owners are just like letting it happen. It's like this, this really unhealthy thing. And I take the leash and I just pop the collar and I say, stop. He, dogs, and we have this all documented, it's really brilliant. Dogs have just, and they just Mm -hmm. go, finally, thank you so much. Like, you just did wonders for my head because I thought I was on this world and nobody had control other than me. And obviously, you know, that's, that's a problem for insecure dogs. So on the contrary of what some people will believe of like, and I get it, right? Externally, you're like, a dog's afraid and you're going to punish them. It's like, but you have to you have to realize if you know a lot about, well, I, I primarily deal with animal behavior in a sense, or dog behavior in a sense of uh, modification purposes. So we're not talking about a puppy coming in that's afraid of the couch. We're not talking about a dog coming in that's afraid of, you know, X, Y. We're talking about a dog that is externally stressing himself out to the point of barking, lunging at the truck, lunging at people we don't know, and just losing our minds because we feel like we don't have control. And you as the handler are not clear enough that you're in control because you're letting it happen. Right. So, you know, this owner particularly was like, stop, 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 don't. I'm like, none of that works. So your dog is losing their mind. That's where the correction is really beneficial because they're terrified of lack of control you correcting the dog will immediately provide them with information that tells them that they aren't in control and you can handle situations and you're taking the steering wheel because that correction is a very natural thing we talk about natural dog training right we talk about dogs correcting each other dogs mounting and getting bit dog and then the other dog puts his head down his ears back and he walks away he's like all right my bad yeah it's stressful and yeah they don't like it but they learn like okay these are my boundaries and i'm going to respect those boundaries right right so for me i i have again i'm I'm an evidence-based dog trainer i i I, that's how i predicate my training off of whatever works for the dog in great strides of success, not little strides of success. I really like to see really good progression. And I have found that over the years, I mean, I've been doing it for 13 years, every single day, 
you know, working with wolves, coyotes, shelter dogs, police dogs, you name it, you know, all sorts of different stuff. And I don't know everything because I'm still learning every day. But I can tell you that taking the steering wheel from a dog who's spiraling out of control with anxiety and stress and the whole nine yeah. is makes the world of the difference. So if you correct her, if you feel like that's where she's coming from, if you feel like she's like, oh, God, what do we do? <laughs> There's yeah. a truck, you know, and you're <laughs> because the problem is, is if it's happening, it's happening. Right. It's not not happening. I mean, if your kid's sitting in Walmart screaming at the top of their lungs and you're like, she shouldn't be screaming because really Walmart's a safe place. So I'm just going to let it like happen. Still happening. She still thinks, you know, that that's what she you know, you got to step in. You got to control that situation. Calm down. Take a breath. Relax. Right. And in the punishment system of like snapping them out of it. You know, it's not really even a correction at that point because they're so stimulated that it's not like when you correct them with that collar, they're like, ouch. Yeah. They're like, hey, what did you want? And then you go, chill, like, right? And you're, you're, yeah. hey, sit. And they're like, yeah, yeah. but there's, a, there's sit. And yeah. then they go, okay, you got this? And you're like, yes, I got this. And that's okay. pretty much the conversation I have with a lot of the fearful dogs that come in. Okay. Yeah. And and would you work on that directly? Like, say we're on a walk, like, mm-hmm. tomorrow, and a snowplow does come by. The hard part for me is not to, like, change anything about the way I walk, right? Like, I just, yeah. have, like, try to keep walking, don't look at it, don't look at her. Mm-hmm. But is that too intense, like, a situation to give her a correction for the first correction? Um, or, like, yeah. Like, how do you work up to that? And what is the flip side? Like, you mentioned, like... It's a fine line. Like, what is right. the other side of that? Sure. Well, I think, yeah. again, like going back to what I was saying originally is I'm very mindful about what the dog knows before I correct them. And it, so what I would be suggesting is working on the leave it. So right. working on that leave it will give you leverage when you're out and she reacts to something. So she already knows leave it. It's in your toolbox. Yeah. She gets right. it. So when you say leave it, leave it, you have that leverage. Like I said, the only time I'll correct a dog without any other information just to get them out of the state of mind they're in is safety reasons. Like, yeah, you know, because if they bite me, you know, there's some, somebody might take that dog away and, you know, destroy yeah. it, you know. So I'm very, I, I'm very, um, that means a lot to me that, you know, I, I'm really conscious about those things. But teaching leave it outside of the leave it when you use it out in public. So anything that you're going to be using on your daily walk or on your daily training regimen, you should, I call it counter conditioning. So, well, using counter, counter conditioning obedience. So it's more than counter conditioning. You're using an obedience to counter those things. Now I will say, cause this is really big because there's a lot of people who, who only use positive only training or something like that. Like they only have one, one of the four quadrants. They're only using one out of the four for whatever reason. Yeah. That's what they've decided to do. Um, their big agenda is that's all you should be doing with a reactive dog. Cause I, again, I primarily specialize in b- yeah. modification. I mean, people fly their dogs all over the world to, to, to work with, which I'm really grateful for. And it's, it's, it's great, but you know, their thing is, and I try to have these conversations, but it's just a wall, but I, I'm getting to your point. Um, 
So if we only use counter conditioning obedience, the problem is, is say the dog is super reactive and they know leave it really well. You throw a bone or you throw their favorite food or treats, they will leave it. But the yeah. problem is, is when you go out and the dog is overly stimulated and over their threshold, yeah. you need to be able to bring them down. Well, why would you ever correct them to bring them down? Doesn't make sense. It actually does because yeah. a lot of dogs are so over their threshold and so overstimulated, they're not listening to you. They're not yeah. hearing you. Sometimes they're not even feeling you. So you, need, you really need to snap them out of it and create some yeah. sort of divergent in there to say, hey, wham, you know, correction, just, what are you doing? Yeah. And then they go, oh, oh, leave it. And you go, oh, and then you move forward. So, so that's really important that, wouldn't it be lovely if we worked in a world that, well, if my dog pulls on the leash, I'm going to teach him heal. That's what I'll do. I'll never correct them because they know heal. Yeah, that's a great like philosophy, but that's not realistic anywhere to anybody yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. Like if you go yeah. out and your dog sees something interesting and you say heal and the dog goes F you bang off the end of the yeah. leash, you're like, we'll try it again later. Okay, that's fine. But I don't I don't yeah. run that show. Like I'm really I'm really assertive about no, this is what heal is. So having that balance to yes, the dog needs to know what leave it is, but the appropriate correction will come in once the dog is completely out of their mind, like out of and you could also use heal too. I like using heal as a counter conditioning obedience okay. portion yeah. because I always tell people like I would much rather have a man-eating dog with the best obedience than a playful out-of-control puppy all day yeah. like okay. heel so, so down stay whatever yeah okay so like if if um if a truck does come by um and i say okay and she doesn't or i say leave it and she doesn't i could give her that correction sure. like I but that. yes but she has to know what opa and leave it is that's the important part okay. And I, okay. and I've always, 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 always taught that to my students and to my clients. Like that's, that's your first route. And there's, there's some people out there that are like, what are you crazy? You can't correct a dog. You have to teach. Uh, of course. That's like, that's yeah. what we teach okay. the 4-H kids, you know, when they're seven, you have to teach them yeah. the counter conditioning obedience in order to be successful. But I'm also real, reality hits in and sometimes they don't give a shit about your OPA or you'll leave it because they want to rip another dog's head off or they want to kill another person or they just want to attack the the, the garbage truck. And right, that's yeah. the reality. I think, I think a lot of her stuff is that she is protective of us. Right. And we just didn't show leadership when we first adopted right. her because we didn't expect. Yep. She wasn't described as a reactive dog. And so it's just like this spirals, unfortunate period of months, right? Where you just kind of yep. do the wrong thing. Yeah, and we've seen that too with like dogs who who aren't reactive, right? So so there's another correlation that I always use as like I always find uh, things to be like an investigation for me. So I'm always investigating. There's usually suspects. There's usually triggers. There's usually motive. There's it's that's what it is. Is trying that's what behavior modification is to me is is trying to figure out those types of things. And so for me, it, I've had dogs come in where they weren't reactive. They never were. And then after a couple of weeks with the new owners, they become reactive. Yeah. So then it's directly correlated from the owner and the handler and the relationship between the owner and the handler. So yes. therefore, exactly proving my point is dogs can become very reactive, very fearful, very protective, and even aggressive 
if they don't have good leadership and needing to take back that control and that steering wheel from the dog is essential in order to rethrow that relationship. But it's not only about control and being like, Hey, I want to have control. It's about your dog's mental stability, your dog, not being stressed, your dog, not having the, the idea that they need to attack a, a truck when it goes by. Like, and that, that gets worse and worse and worse with the lack of control. And so as soon as your dog takes an inch, then they take a mile because they're like, I really need to be on top of my game to protect us because you guys have no idea what you're doing, (laughs) you know, and that's something I've studied for years with, with animals and dogs is, you know, I started off as a relationship building trainer and that was it. I just, and then I just started realizing like how much correlation there has been. I mean, if you want to talk about how many case studies, hundreds, thousands of case studies I've done strictly on reactive dogs and their, their behavior and what makes them do the things they do. I have such, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of documented footage of how these things play out. And it just gives us as dog owners. I mean, there's not a lot of databases out there that has hundreds and then thousands of, of collected information Mm-hmm. on these there's not a lot of databases that you can access to watch these things play out right you can look at a study that says hey if we correct a dog versus not correcting a dog then the, the dog that's being punished for what they don't know how to do is going to be more stressful yeah it doesn't take a scientist to figure that out obviously that's not right when we're you know blah 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 but all of the stuff that i have found with working with these fearful dogs and things like that is exactly what you're saying is is the dog wasn't reactive the dog wasn't like this on the leash. And then my relationship and my lack of control and structure with the dog over a couple of weeks or a couple of months made the dog turn to insecure. And yeah. what do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm home alone. Like, you know, yeah. so, yeah. So I, um, I think, I, yeah, sorry, I think it's... you just, you just have to, you have to, it sounds to me like you could get away with just correcting her, you know, teacher, leave it, teacher OPA, Um, but, but I think just using that punishment on top of the reaction is huge because it's the same exact structure that we use with, uh, reward based systems as far as marking and capturing and teaching, right? So if we're think about it like this, if we want to take a dog out and teach them something, right. And we want to teach them how to sit or how to place, and we're using a verbal, and then we're using a reinforcement behind that or an enforcement behind that, depending on what you're doing. You say sit, the dog sits, yes, good sit, bang, and they get paid. So we're encouraging yeah. that through positive reinforcement, right? Yeah. The other end of the spectrum, which is the exact same format, just by adding positive punishment instead of positive reinforcement, is the exact same template of how obedience and the quadrants of dog training is, is scheduled. And it makes... So, so you, ha- you have to look at the other side of the verbal leave it which would have been your hey sit right and then if they do it yes good sit but then if on the other end if they don't do it uh -uh, and then your enforcement comes bang correction on whatever you're using gentle leader harness i don't it doesn't matter yeah and then if they comply with the next test you switch back over to positive reinforcement and then so they learn this is good this is bad Right. Right. Okay. And and could I use um because we we do live in a triplex and she does bark and it has gotten better 
Um, but it's sort of tied into this protective instinct that she has. Like she's really like, I think a shepherd in that way. Mm-hmm. And like, would you use leave it once she's barked? Cause at the moment, the one thing she will do is she's really good at touch. So she'll bark at the window. And if we say touch, she'll like come running. And now she knows that if she does the touch, she gets a treat, but it's not like stopping her from barking. It just means that she has a better response and she doesn't stay barking, which is positive. Yes. But if she keeps barking, would you use a leave it and a correction? Or... Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, you could. But that's again, like that's just your discretion on parenting. That's up to you. Okay. I mean, if you want to define it even more and like you can't like if you're if you're like, OK, she'll touch and that's good. But it's still it's kind of avoiding what's happening. So if she's barking and we make her touch and she stops barking until she gets to the touch, she goes to the touch and still barks. And that's what a lot of counter conditioning can do. Unfortunately is the dog, then you, you, you be, it becomes a hamster wheel, right? It's, it's, it's like residual where it's like they're okay. They're touching, but now they're barking. Okay. Now what? Uh, place. Okay. Then place and then down and then boom, but they're still barking. So yeah. what are you going to do? You know, no bark. And they're like, nope, I'm barking. Okay. What are you going to do? Treats? Not interested. Go yeah. down. Down. Still barking. Go into a sit. Mm. Still barking. You're done. What are you going to do? You're running out of options because if you only... So anyway, absolutely. Yes, you can definitely use that punishment to be more assertive, to take it up another notch, to be more definitive. But it's again, it's just... That's what dog training is about. It has nothing to do with what's right or what's wrong. You know, of course, within gray areas of people just being idiots and abusive and having their own yeah. problems. But that's really what it's about is that simple is, is is how you want to raise your dog and what your beliefs are. And so the amount of people that I talk to on a daily basis, um, even if a lot of people get stuck in that hamster wheel of not punishing their dogs because their trainer told them to. And they have, a, I had talked talk to a lady last night from Michigan and she said the same thing. She goes, you know, I'm, I'm using this positive trainer right now, positive only trainer. And you know, this would never work with kids. This wouldn't work with my kids. I'm sure it wouldn't work with the trainer's kids. I don't know why we're doing this. And I mm-hmm. just have to explain to her that it's just an agenda. It's just, it's their yeah. style. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but there is something wrong with telling dog owners that that's the only way to do it because that's insanity. Yeah, and yeah. very unprofessional, but they do. So anyway, um, so yes, so it. So again, side rant, but you don't get caught up in just be assertive to the things that if you're having problems with something to a point where you're like, you know, that's the thing is like people are like, some people are just, eh, it's kind of annoying. Some people are like, this is to a point where I need to get rid of this dog now, or this is a point where I need to move, or this is a point where me and my partner are habitually fighting and I'm losing sleep and like it, it there's so many variations so you just have to like say hey this is my house this is my dog this is my relationship I'm going to train this dog and and do the things that I need to do to make sure this dog knows very clearly what's appropriate and what's not just like we would with parenting you know yeah. so there's there's a lot to it okay and I know our time's up I just have one last question sure. about when we're working on heel inside would you not work with food would you just do positive like voice and then like maybe food at the very end or would you just kind of because I have stopped using food for manners like we just mm-hmm. use treats for tricks now yeah where it used to go on walks with yeah like, a little bit a little bit of both I mean a, a dog okay. dogs are really great with good heel but you know sometimes just adding in that extra cherry on top is great 
I think the big the big core the big difference between luring a dog versus rewarding a dog after they've completed the task are different in the heal concept. So if you're luring a dog um, to heal in the later stages of heal and, and the dog won't heal without it, that's a problem. Yeah. So what I okay. would do is heal, sit, pay them, break. Heal, okay. sit, pay them, break. And then your payment schedule or your reward schedule it could be verbal praise or it could be food, but I would switch it up. Okay. Motivation is great. I use it every day with almost every dog I work with. I just don't put videos out on it because it's so simple. Like yeah. it's so simple. Like that's why I think it's kind of tough for me because people don't see that side. They just see me working with the dogs who are really, you know, having a lot of trouble and I'm using a lot of punishment based systems just because that's the dogs that I, that's my that's my thing. You know, that's what I do. But like the reward scheduling and all that stuff is so easy. I mean, that's what the 4-H, you know, kids learn that. You can go to PetSmart and learn that. You can, it's so easy. It's such an easy concept of, uh, I mean, you could do it wrong. You can mess it up for sure. But it's just, just use your food reward schedule, like how you feel is, is necessary. So if your dog is only doing sit, heal and things like that based off of food, that's a problem. Switch it out. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Yeah, you're your, welcome. Your thing is incredible, and um, we really appreciate it. it. Changed a lot for us and our dog. So thank you so much. I appreciate you signing up. I wish you the best of luck and stay warm up in Canada. Thank you. All right, Take ciao. care. Bye. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate every single one of you, as always. If you haven't yet, don't forget to review this podcast on whatever or however you're listening to this podcast. I appreciate you guys listening again. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.